We are in the middle of a, a series right now called Unshakable. Everybody say Unshakable. Yeah, we've been looking at really the, the idea of a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We were talking about this idea that there is a kingdom of God, that when you become a follower of Jesus, um, you didn't join a religion. You didn't join a club. You joined a kingdom, that there is a king who runs all things, who has all things, who knows all things, who has the power to do all things. And we're, we're a part of that kingdom. We've been talking about that. And when we go into that kingdom, man, it changes our worldview. It changes how we do things. It changes what we talk about. It changes how we interact with people. And today we're going to talk about a unique thing uh, that pertains to being in the kingdom. And we're going to talk about blessing in the kingdom, what it looks like, what that actually means. And, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be. But before we read that, I want to give you some context of what's happening. So Romans is in the New Testament. It's a letter from a man named Paul who planted a bunch of New Testament churches. He was kind of the first apostle that would go around and plant churches after Jesus would pass away. And so he's planting all these churches. And he plants one in Rome. And he writes a letter to the Roman church, which he calls, you know, you guessed it, Romans. And so he's writing this letter to them. And the first, first chapters, 1 through 11, are really theological in nature. He's teaching this church about what God looks like, what it looks like, salvation looks like, how just... Uh, you know, theological concepts, deep concepts. He's one through 11 are real, real important. But then he gets into chapter 12 and it starts off, it's real unique. He starts off with like practical implications of now that you know who God is, how he works and what it interacts like, now we're gonna talk to you about how life really looks like. And, and that's where it really gets practical for, for Paul and Romans. So Romans chapter 12, verse one, he starts to talk about this idea of the kingdom and what blessing actually looks like and how it comes from. And we'll read it together. If not, we'll put it up on the screens here for you. And it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So he's comparing and contrasting to what it used to be like. You know, before you, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, you had to have a sacrifice and you would lay it at the altar. He said, now Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice who died for us, who rose again. So him and like this New Testament church, we leave our lives as a living sacrifice, which means you and I don't have to die for God. We live for God. And every day we make a decision to lay ourselves down, our flesh down, so that God can be paramount. So he's talking about the kingdom. And he says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now that's important for us because there's some of us who really enjoy the culture we live in. Some of us, we wouldn't, would you, the question you should always ask yourself about your life and how you live, if you told your friends you were a Christian, would they be shocked? Like if you told your, your, your roommate or your, you know, your, your colleague at work, you'd be like, man, I go to church. I was just at church. Would they be like, you go to church? Like, are you sure? And he's like, you gotta be careful. You don't fit, fit in so well. Sometimes fitting in gets you in trouble. And he says, instead, this is what I want you to do. Fix your attention on God. This will be important. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you well-formed maturity in you. That's going to be our scripture background today. And if you're taking notes, uh, the title of my message today is go get your blessing. Go get your blessing. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, go get your blessing. Yeah, it's going to be really good today. Go get your blessing. You're going to enjoy it today. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I know that you have something to speak to us about. God, there's so many amazing principles inside of your word. And I pray that today the words would literally be lifted up off the pages, become life to us, that we would feel it, we would hear it, we would see it, we would understand it more than anything in this world. 
Holy Spirit, you speak today and get me out of the way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, I have a question. How many of you all in here are parents? Come on, raise your hand if you're a parent in here. You raise your hand. Come on. We're all part of this group of people that we all just barely hanging on. You know, it's just... It, kids have a way of really getting at you, you know, they really might, they really kind of show you what uh, part of Jesus needs to be, to work on next, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just something that the kids have to do. I got five of them, I got five boys, y'all pray for me. I have five boys, they're 16, I got twin 16 year olds, I had two right away, don't know what it's like to have one, heard it was awesome, all y'all are complaining, if you have one kid and you're complaining, that ain't, that ain't right. Come on, all the multiple parents will be like, yeah, that's true, that's true. 13-year-old boy, he's awesome, love him. You know, he's kind of getting in that teenage world. He's starting to act like he's stronger than dad. Got to let him know every once in a while. He ain't. <laughs> got a 10-year-old, he's, uh, he's a good kid. Got a lot of energy. Judah, he's awesome. My, but my 7-year-old, my last one, it's always the last one, Winston. He's the one who kind of makes sure that I go to church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He makes sure that I'm a Christian for real, because there are some of them, there's always one in the family, right, y'all? There's always one in the family that, well, like when I didn't have my other kids, when my twins came out, I could have, I wrote books on parenting. I would have done seminars on parenting. Winston shows up and I'm like, I know nothing. I know nothing. The other day, I'll give you an example. The other day he was, he was sitting on the couch and I was sitting on the couch with him and it's getting a little late and starting to get time for them to go to bed. And I said, hey, bud, I want you to get ready. He was playing on the Nintendo Switch. Y'all know what the Switch is? It's a little portable video gaming device. He's playing on the Nintendo Switch. They don't get much time on it, so he was really enjoying it and having a good time. Said, hey, bud, man of God, I need you to put that down. You go to upstairs, take a shower, get dressed for bed, you know, brush your teeth, put your pajamas on. And he was playing like this. He was like this, and he was playing. I said, son, did you hear me? And he goes... what? And like, I'm a good dad. I was really patient. I'm like, do you hear what I said? <laughs> right? Like I flashed from two to 10 quick. I did parent. Does anybody else like that with me? I feel like I'm on a short fuse and I feel like I want to be great. I really want to be graceful, but I'm not. So I'm like, what'd you say? And he goes, I'm playing a video game right now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Cause you ever have those moments with your kids? You'd be like, I want, like, where's your mom right now? She, she's going to need to come save you from something because it's going to happen right now. Put the video game down and go upstairs. He grabs the video game, slams it down onto the, uh, uh, onto the couch, stands up with like huff. You know what I'm saying? Just huff. So first he was fresh mouth. Now he's huffing. So he's walking. He's like, and he gets to the steps of, the, of our stairs, and he does the only thing that kids have to do to respond and to share their anger with us. Y'all know what it is who have stairs in your house. The way they share, they're displeased with your command. Anything that you said is the stomp. So they, he gets up on the steps, and he starts stomping. We're going to do it together in this church, in your chair. We're going to show you what the sound is like. One, two, three, just start stomping. That's what it sounded like. So then I got up. Because I'm a parent, I'm a godly man. I love Jesus, but don't get it twisted. I'll flash to the BC version of myself quick. I said, stomp again. Y'all ever do that? You tell them to do the thing you don't want them to do? Stomp again, see what happens. Stomp again. 
So he stomps harder as he walks up because he got a little bit of his mama in him, just a little bit of, <laughs> he ain't scared of me. He ain't scared of, he ain't scared. I'm like, stomps up the thing. I said, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Jesus is in me. God is for me. Who can be against me? I started quoting scripture. You know, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what I'm saying? Jesus loves. I just started quoting scripture and he walks into his room and I can't see him now. I said, and don't slam your, and what does he do? Boom, slams the door. I said, oh, Jesus, he wants to meet you right now. He's trying to go back. He don't want to be here. So then he gets done. He gets his pajamas on. He walks down the stairs. He sits down and he does this. He looks at me and he goes, where's the switch? And I said, oh, that's done now. And he goes, well, where is it? I said, you can't play it anymore. And he does this. He gets up, changes his strategy. Strategy change. You got to be careful with kids. They, swip, they, they, they will switch on you quick. And he changes his strategy from anger and violent re rebellion to... <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking, right? They do that with you? To... His lip quivers. I said, what you crying for? What you crying about? I ain't your mama. Like my, all the moms in here like, oh, right? Like all y'all moms. That only comes from moms. Dad's like, cry, cry again, cry, please. So what you crying about? He goes, I thought you loved me. Oh, we're going to pull that now. Oh, you're going to go there, you know? Oh, okay. Okay. So I had an opportunity with my seven-year-old. I'm sitting with my seven-year-old on the couch, and it dawned on me, dawned on me a little bit. I turned, and I looked at him. I said, you, conf you confused, baby. You confused. You confuse my love for my blessing. You think it works the same, but it doesn't. See, you're loved unconditionally, Winston, there's nothing you can do to get your love away from me. I love you too much. I created you. Fact, you didn't even do anything to earn the love. Most of the things you do make me want to remove it. So you have nothing to do with my love. You can't get rid of it because you didn't earn it. You should just be grateful that, I have, that you have my love. My love's unconditional, but blessing, hold on. Oh, that's highly conditional. And if you don't live like, just, just a side note, this ain't even in my notes. If you're a parent in here and you got unconditional blessing for your kids, you're hurting them. You're not helping them. No one lives well without limits. So I said to him, I said, you're confused. You confuse my love with my blessing. And that's how we are with the Lord. God loves you. This is so cool. Like, if you're not a Christian in here, you, this is for you. This is awesome. I'm glad you're here. We did church for you. We ain't even doing church for church people at Rise, just so you all know. Like, when you come to church at Rise, I'm assuming you're going to be the mature one at the table. You should have been eating on the way to church like Jesus, and I got a little bit of prayer during the week, and I got a little bit of Bible during the week, and I got a little bit of church in the week. You don't need to come to me to get a sermon. I got that all week long. So when I come to church, I come to do the church, not come be the church. So if you're mature in here, that's good. But if you're not, you don't know the Lord, you just need to know this, that like when you give your life to Christ, you don't beam up to heaven. 
And so because you're still here, there is a way of his blessing. He loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to take it away. All you have to do is receive him into your heart. Jesus paid it all. It's finished. It's, it's, finished. it's over. He did it all. He's great. Your love is unconditional. His blessing, though, is highly conditional. Go look at every scripture in the Bible, every single one of them, and you will see blessing based on conditions. God does that because he's a good father and he doesn't want to abuse you as a father. He wants to actually bless you as a father, but you have to be ready for the blessing so that when you get it, you don't waste it. So if that's true, then there's a way of blessing in the kingdom because just because you're in the kingdom don't mean you're going to get the blessing. I know a lot of people who have their heaven secured one day, but they live on hell. They live in hell right now on earth. So what's the difference? How can you do that? The best question you should ask yourself now is, well, then how do I get them blessings? How do I get them blessings? I want to play the switch with Jesus, right? Like I want to, I'm trying to get blessed. I'm trying to live in favor. I'm trying to live. No one wakes up. Here's what I know about all y'all. No, I don't know many of you, but I know you didn't wake up asking God, please don't bless me today. I've had so much. Bless someone else. No, you woke up saying, God, you better help me with my kids. I need another zero on that bank account. Like, help a brother out. I know that's what you said. I'm going to give you the way to do that. Three ways you're taking notes. I hope you are. Three ways to take notes on, on how to get kingdom blessing, how, how to get kingdom. Let me give you a side note before I tell you what they are. I'm not talking about manipulating God. You can't make God give you a blessing. You can't manipulate him into giving you a blessing. You can't strong arm him and give you a blessing. You can't make him give you a miracle. We're not talking about any of this stuff. This is not a formula. This is not a science. This is an art. There is a way. Everybody say a way. To quote the Mandalorian, this is the way to kingdom blessing in your life. Number one, number one is this. We got to fix our attention on God. You got to fix your attention on God. Romans 12 says, don't become so, well, I like what Paul says. He says, don't become so well adjusted to life so you, you, know, you, don't, you, you fit in too much. He said, but instead you got to what? Number one, fix your attention on God. Sometimes we miss the blessing of the kingdom simply because we're focused on the wrong thing. Like our attention's on the wrong thing. We're too, we're too centered on the wrong thing that, that, that there's always something vying for my attention. Have you noticed that? Like companies pay billions of dollars on a B, billion with a B, B, billions of dollars to get your attention. There's always something vying for your attention. But can I tell you the number one thing vying for your attention? It's not Facebook. It's not Insta. It's not that TikTok life. It's not Gucci. It ain't Prada. It's not like, it's not the, you know, Hollywood and the music industry. It's not, not all that. That's fine. It's your flesh. So, and I'm not talking about like, well, you yeah, with my body. No, no. What I'm talking about is in the Bible, Paul talks about this a lot, but God even compares and contrasts. There's, there's, there's the flesh you. And there's the spirit you. There's the pre-Jesus you and the post-Jesus you. There's the sanctified you and the non-sanctified you, right? Like there, there's parts of you and they, ha they somehow, for some reason, they coexist, but they don't get along. So you want to know how you know this is true? Because when you got cut off this week on 1604, <laughs> the pre-sanctified you came out. It just did. When your kid came home with that test and it was an F minus, when you didn't even know you can get an F minus, <laughs> you didn't say, Soneth, youeth, our greatest in the kingdom, welcometh into the 
blessings of the Lord. You didn't even recognize that God existed. You just wanted to take him out. So there's this battle between flesh and, and spirit. And Paul talks about it in Galatians. He says it in 5.16. We'll read it for you. He says, so I say walk by the spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Everybody say flesh. So you got a battle between these two. He said, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. They don't do well with each other. It's oil and water. It's one or the other. It's black and white. It's clear or not clear. Is you in death or you're in life? Like there's no mixture of the two, and they don't do well. They don't play well with others. So you shouldn't do whatever you want. By the way, if you live your life saying like, oh, I just do what I want, that's the dumbest thing you could have ever said. If you're a Christian, that's anti-Christian language because you're in a kingdom, remember? And the last time I checked, when you're in a kingdom, we subjects, which means we're subject to the king. I serve at the best of the king, at the pleasure of the king. You shouldn't do what you want. You do what God wants. It's the kingdom. So he says in verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh. And then he goes, let me help you out with some acts of the flesh. And then he writes out like sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, and like all the E's, right? And they're all bad. And it's all the sin. And so he highlights a bunch of, which is not the exhaustive list. It's not, this is not the only thing of the flesh. But he's saying this is some of them. Let me give you some examples. And then he gets to, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. What are we talking about? The kingdom of God. So he says, look, you got to learn. That if you're going to inherit the kingdom, the blessings of the kingdom, this is how it works. you got to have your attention on, on God. And he, Paul is explaining this great principle. Whatever we have as our primary influence determines the rest. What is at the center of your life? You ever, when you were a kid, grab a rock and throw it into a pond? What happened? It created what? Right. It created a ripple, a ripple effect. Whatever you did in that center, whatever at the center determined what happened next. And so... Your life, whatever you have at the center, determines what happens next. It's like this. I even made a little picture for you all so you can even see what's at the center determines your values and beliefs. Your values and beliefs determines your actions and your decisions, and then your actions and your decisions will determine your influence and impact. Most of us are so worried about our influence and impact, we don't even rely on, we don't even get to the idea of what's happening on the other things. But if you just focus on the center, if you focus on what's centered in your life, it will determine the rest. And we got to have Jesus at the center, which means Jesus is the primary influence in our life. Not our spouse or God, not our kids or God, not our job or God, not me at the center. God at the center of all things. It's not do I have, it's not do I have my kids at the center of my life or God. It's not like is my kids number one or is God number one? No, God has to be the number one in your kid's life. It's not as like my marriage number one and God number one. No, no, I got to have God in my marriage. Not my job. I have to God in my job. I have to have God in my health. Because when he's at the center of all those things, he determines how I interact with everything. And you have to ask yourself this question. Is he at the center of your life? I mean, really? I don't know. I can't determine that. Only you can determine that. Is God really at the center of your life? Or... Is it something else? I know some families who their whole lives are surrounded by their kids. Their whole world is their kid's life. You are no longer their parent. You're their Uber. And you spend every waking moment 
putting them in everything that you didn't have because you couldn't have it. And you woke up saying, and you get, oh, I'm never going to do that to my kids. I'm going to give them everything I didn't have. And what the problem is, is now that you gave them everything that they didn't have, that you didn't have, they got too much. And it's so much that now you don't see your family. You don't even see your other family. You don't see your wife. You don't see your kids. You run your whole life where you're Ubering them from activity to activity, from sport to sport. You're gone. You're out of town. You're running back and forth. And then you have the audacity to come to God and ask him, hey, would you just help me out with like stress and pressure? I feel really, really stressed right now. And God's saying, well, if you made me the center of your kids' lives, you start with your me at the center of them, then I influence your decisions and your actions. And then I inv- it, then it ripple effects out. Is there anything wrong with sports? No. Is there anything wrong with activities? My kids do that. There's nothing wrong with putting your kids in stuff. There's nothing wrong with your kids having sports. There is something wrong with your sports having your kids. When like the statistic is 0.05% of the kids that go into sports actually make it into professional sports. I want you to hear that. You're like, well, I, you know, I do it for their social. Im- I help them. I do it so they built them up. I, I do it. This is my best. This is my favorite. I do it so they have character. Yeah, because all the sports characters that we, all the sports heroes we follow now have the highest form of character. Good luck with that. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying sports are bad. I love sports. I, I love sports. My boys are in sports, but sometimes you got to make an adjustment. So I'll give you an example. This season, like the spring season, I grew up playing baseball twice a year. I was in select sports. I love baseball. Love it. Love it. I, love, I want my boys to be in baseball. I have five of them. Two of them are in piano. Three of them were in baseball last season. And I wanted to lose my mind. And I, I, I enjoyed it, but I, there were days where I was running to, I mean, y'all, does anybody else feel me right now? Where I'm running so fast, I can't even enjoy what I'm doing. I want to give you permission to not make them the center of your life. They shouldn't be the primary reason you're making any decision, by the way. God should be the primary reason you're making the decision. You lead them. They don't lead you. It's amazing to me how many five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds are controlling their parents. Their whole world, they control the family. Everything revolves around them. And if you don't have it prioritized correctly, they're not, if God's not the center, come on. It's going to ripple effect everything else in your life. I'm talking about your job. If your job's the center of your life, guess what happens? Your family gets put on the back burner and your, your job always gets... I've sat with... Let me, can I just tell you this? I've sat with really, really big captains of industry, multi-multi-millionaires, companies you know about and probably use. I've sat with them. You know what they cry about? They don't cry about how much money they didn't make. They cry about how much things they missed. And they would, shave, they would trade it all away if they could go back. What's at the center of your life? What's at the center of your life? It has to be God. Because in the kingdom, Jesus is king. Number two. We'll get off of that. Nobody amends that part. So we'll just get number two. Number two. So he starts with fixing my attention on God. But then you got to readily recognize the voice of the king. 
You got to readily recognize the voice. I like what he says. Then you got to readily recognize what he wants from you. Sometimes we miss the kingdom blessing because we can't know when God is speaking. Paul mentions two ways that we actually do this. Readily meaning we actually have to regularly, consistently, continually. It's like a daily thing. Here's just a side note about for those of you who don't know the Lord or maybe you're just getting into this. You have to re-give your life to Christ every day. You know that, right? Like daily, I have to daily die. Flesh death, flesh death daily. Today I woke up and I had to wake up and roll aside my bed and I had to go, today I'm going to choose to be a Christian again. See if it happens. I had to do it every day. Paul recognized that. It's got to be readily daily. Then I got to recognize, which means to know and identify, which means, so Paul's basically saying, I need to consistently know the voice of God. And that's a really hard thing for us to do in this world. I don't know about you, it's hard for me to hear from the voice of the Lord sometimes. Some of us really struggle with that, hearing the voice of God, because we're talking about blessing. How do I get blessing in the king? This is the way. i got to readily recognize the voice of the king. And some ways that, some things that keep us from that, I kind of wrote them down. I think one of the ways that, that keeps us from hearing the voice of God is that other voices are louder than the voice of God. We have positioned our vo- other voices in our life and we've turned them up so much that we can't hear anything else. Yesterday, just yesterday, we get in the car with my family. Remember, I got five kids, five, cinco, a lot. They're in the back. My wife and I are in the front holding her hand. She my boo, I'm driving, cause I'm the man. She's over there, looked at you, you're my girl. Love you. Kids are in the back acting a fool. Is at some point you just get tired as a parent. You're tired, you're tired of telling them the same old thing, right? Like, will you please act like a little human, just a little bit of human, and mix that with your bobcatness one time in the car. So we're driving. And in the back, my wife's holding my hand, and she kind of yanks on my hand a little bit, gives me a little indication she wants to say something to me. So I look over to her because I'm waiting for her to give me a kiss or something, you know. That's how I roll. So I'm like, what's up, girl? And she does this. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I can't hear you. And she turns around, no lie, she tells my kids, would you just stop? Right? And all my kids... And they all look surprised every time you say that. Doesn't your kid look surprised when you tell them to shut it? Like, can you zip your mouth just one time? Stop talking. They're like, why can't I have to stop talking? I'm telling you right now to stop talking. Well, I don't understand why I have to stop talking. No, I'm telling you right now. Like, stop talking. And then you kind of wait to see if they caught it. Okay, good. Leave it like that. She tells them to stop talking. And she looks at me and she goes, I was telling you, don't you hear the nonsense back there? So let me get this straight. I want you to clarify this. This is what happened. She was telling me something about the very thing that was keeping me from hearing her that I couldn't hear her about. And I was like, no, I kind of blocked it out. I was thinking about ice cream or something, you know? And uh, I couldn't hear the voice that I needed to hear because I had a lot of other nonsense voices talking in the back. And that's how we are with the Lord, is that you, you really, we really have a desire. We have a need to hear from the voice of God. 
Some of, I, I bet some of you right now are waiting on the, God, the voice of the Lord on something, on a business decision, on a marriage issue, on a kid problem, on a health thing. You're waiting to hear from God. Your life decision, you're like, what do I do? How do I do this? You're waiting to hear him. You have other voices that are turned up way too high in your life right now. Social media, like, isn't it amazing? I'm, I'm like known as the anti-social media pastor. I've got that. I wear that title very proudly. Um, primarily because, like, you realize social media is like the, the toilet of the inter- internet, right? There's nothing good that comes from it. Not one study. It's been around for years. Thousands of studies on social media. Not one of them came out and said, this person, the more they used it, the better they became. It's awesome. Actually, all of them, all, all of them come out and say, the more you use it, the worse version of yourself you are. And some of us live our life on the voice of the internet. What you wear, how you are, what they think of you, where you should go, what somebody's eating right now, where they went on vacation, why didn't you get invited to the party? Is this too... It's okay? You're like, come on, Pastor, that hurt. You hurt me. The voice is too high. Some of you listen to your family more than you hear the voice of God. Like, well, my mama used to say she raised me. My mom. Is there anything wrong with honoring your mom? Yes, honor your mother. Honor her, but she's not God. I know marriages right now who are messed up because the wife has overvalued her sister's opinion of her husband. How about the voice of God? I'm just giving you the insight from a pastor who has to sit down and counsel people for real life. You want me just to read Bible verses and just, we all just sing Kumbaya and y'all don't understand any of it. We can do that, but I'd rather talk to you about real life things. Like which voices are too high? You should ask yourself, which voices are too high? I got that volume a little too high on that person, that thing that is the voice of God higher than the other voices. Number two, it could be you don't talk with him regularly. Um, isn't it interesting how um, you'll notice, have you noticed that it's real easy to identify somebody based on their voice? The other day, the opposite has been true. Um, the other day, my boys are getting older, like they're teenagers, and their voices are starting to change, like really change. Like I was in my room the other day talking to my wife, and there was a grown man talking in my, lo- my, my living room. I'm like, hey, baby, how's it going? We're talking. I'm like, wait, shh, wait, what? Who's in my house? And I walk out because, you know, I'm a man. I walk towards the door and I said, babe, go check out. See who's out there. Like, go ahead. I'm right here. She goes, you're the man. Go check it out. I'm like, I'm right here. If something happens, I'll help. So I walk out. It's my son. And I couldn't identify him based on his voice, right? But the same thing is true. The more I talk to somebody, the more I hear somebody, I can have my eyes closed. Somebody come say hi to me. I know who they are. I know who they are. Why? Because I spend time with them. I can know the inflections of their voice, how they speak to me, what they call me and what they say. The more I'm with them, the more. And here's what's really cool. The more I know them, the more I know how they think. 
And the more I know how they think, the more I know what they feel about things. In fact, Hebrews talks about this with our relationship with God. It says, those who are ready to hear are those who, by reason of use of their senses, exercise to the discern both good and evil. Now, that sounds like a pretty crazy sentence, right? Like, what does that even mean? All he's saying is, those people, there are people in the world that regularly connect with the Lord that they're so connected with God. They exercise their connection with God so much. This is crazy. This is what he says. He says, they know what's good and evil because they know his voice already. So you know what? Here's a cool Christian hack. You want to tell you what a Christian hack is? Like some of y'all new to church, new to Christianity. You want to know when you don't have to talk to God and ask him about his opinion on something? You want to know what it is? Sin. Like if you're ever tempted to do something evil, you never have to go, God, maybe I should ask you about that, whether or not I should do it. No, he already knows. You already know because you know his voice. You know how he talks. You know what he would say about that. You know where he was going. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying. But I got to be able to talk to him on a regular basis. And if I don't talk to him on a regular basis, I don't even know he's speaking. It's not that God's not speaking. It's just that I don't even know he's speaking. I don't even know who he is. If he was speaking, I couldn't tell anyway. Or the third one is this, sinful seasons. I think sometimes we get into seasons of life. Can I be honest with you? I mean, you know what life is really like? It, it is a roller coaster, but there's ups and downs of your life. There'll be times where you're going to be holier. And I mean, what I mean by that is not that you're like better than everybody. I just mean you, you're better in your disciplines. You're better in your practices. You're closer to God. There's times, right? And there are times where you feel like you're so close to God. And then there are times where you feel like you're not so close to God. In those times when you're not so close to God, you're easily more tempted to actually be a little more sinful. And the more sin you allow into your life, the harder it will be for you to actually get connected to God himself to hear his voice. Isaiah 59 says, your iniquities have separated you from God. There's, there's sin that actually separates us from, from God, not because he doesn't want to be around us or be around you and your sin. He, would, he loves you. He wants to take you from your sin. He wants to help you with that. But it's because the sin acts as an earplug to keep you from hearing the voice of God. You ever put earplugs in your ears? What are they designed to do? They're designed to limit the sound coming into your ear. And sin does that all the time. That's why sin has consequences. I always tell people funny, like, you know what pastors do? Pastors really, really misteach sin. They get, typically get up and they're like, don't do sin because it's terrible. I'm like, I don't know what sinning you are doing. Sinning is great at the beginning. Any, anybody else remember what it was like? You, probably last night for some of us, right? So like, <laughs> can I get an amen? Like, it's, it's okay. It's okay. The Bible tells you that. No, sin's great at the beginning with long, long lasting consequences. It's terrible for you, not because it doesn't feel good. It's terrible because for you because it gives you something. It, it can never give you something it promises you to give, which is life. It always brings death. Sin's like watching a terrible movie with a great trailer. You ever do that? You ever see a really good trailer on YouTube? You're like, I go see that one. You get into the movie, you pay $15,000, you get your $25 popcorn, you're sitting down, you're about to start. 10 minutes into it, you're like, what was I thinking? Sin. Sin. And in those seasons, it's hard to hear the voice of God. My challenge to you would be, in the most loving way that I could say it. 
I thought I'd never say this as a pastor because I don't really believe in this type of strategy, but you know, stop sinning. <laughs> I love you. I'm preaching to me. I got sin in my life. You got sin in your life. Ain't nobody perfect. I'm not saying to be perfect. I'm just saying you better work on that. You better work on that. It's promising you something it can't deliver. It's the way the enemy works. He says, oh, yeah, go ahead. Do that. It ain't going to bother you. God ain't going to bother you. But it does. But it does. Last one is this, and I'm done. Respond quickly to the king's commands. So we're talking about, in Romans 12, we're breaking down, fix my attention to God. I got to have God at the center. And then we're talking about how to have a blessing in your life, okay? We're talking about this. Second one is that, that you got to readily recognize what he wants. But then he, then he gets into the quickly respond to it. Quickly determines timing. Quickly means timing. Quickly means timing. Sometimes we miss the blessing of God simply because we don't follow God's timing. And in the kingdom, timing matters. Timing matters. I'm telling you, timing matters. It does. The other day, I asked my kids to take out the garbage. Anybody have their kids do chores at the house? Raise your hand. Touch some sky. Yeah, y'all do that. So y'all struggle with me. We in that struggle. We in that chore struggle train. So I told him, I said, I need you to take out the garbage to the street. So I wake up, and this is like the night before I told my dad, I was like, make sure you take out the garbage. Get all the house. Take the garbage can down on the street. You good? Dad, I got you. All right. So I go to bed. I wake up. Get my gym clothes on. I'm heading to the gym because I go to CrossFit. Y'all see it. <laughs> so going to the gym. I get in my car, and I look out to the street. No garbage can. Garbage can still where I left them. And so I'm a godly man. I get in my car. I drive off. Call my sons. You know where they were. Say it with your chest. Sleeping. Yeah. Sleeping. So they, I call them, and they wait. What? What? Hello? Hey, son, it's your father. Oh, hey, what's up? Hey, um, did you take that trash can out? Nothing. Crickets. Hello? Uh, uh, I'm going to do it right now, Dad. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to, uh-huh, hang up. So get back home after I worked out. Muscles be flexing. I pull in, and my boys meet me outside. Dad, Dad, don't worry. Don't worry. We got the garbage can. It's out now. We good. And they turn to walk away, and I said, oh, cool. The garbage came earlier today. The garbage truck to pick up the garbage, it came already. You can go get it. Because timing matters. And some things we miss in life with God and his blessing, not because he didn't try to give it to you, because we were off on our timing. Like he told you to do something, you waited too long and you missed it. And then you thought God didn't care. Or you waited too long. Or he asked you to wait, you didn't wait, you did it anyway, and you missed it. It wasn't that God didn't have blessing for you. You stepped outside your mind and did what you thought was right instead of what God thought was right. We miss it two ways. 
Some of us wait on God too much. There's some of us in here, I'm just telling you, you are too fearful. God tells you to do something, and you're like, well, let me pray about it. Let me think. And really what you're saying is, let me see if I can find a way not to do that thing. Come on, somebody. Anybody else done that but me? Like, uh, Talk to that person about Jesus? All right, let me think about it, God. I'll pray about it. Let me see what your will is. Uh, honor my wife when she's yelling at me no matter what. Oh, okay, God, let me pray about that. Let me see what your scriptures say. I, I don't know what I think about that. Uh, train your kids in the way that they should go so that they don't depart from it. I don't know, Lord. That actually sounds like a lot of work. I'd rather just let YouTube train them. Let's let YouTube do it. How about that? Let me pray about it, see what I got to do. No, no, you, you, you miss it because you're, you're waiting on God too much because of fear. It's funny to me how people quote Deuteronomy 28.3. This is kind of a weird thing in the kingdom. I see this, I've seen like, tattoos of this. This is, you want me to read it for you? This is, this is how they think about it. You will be blessed in the city and be blessed in the country. That's a good verse. I mean, I'm, yes, and amen. I will be blessed in this country. You're welcome. But you didn't read Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Isn't it funny how we miss verses? I scribble out verses, especially the ones where like, hey, be nice, you know, and, you know, Always listen to your wife. I scribble all those out. But like we miss, we miss 28, one through one, one through two. Let's read it. If, what, what? If, if, if's conditional. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations and the earth. And all these blessings, what are we talking about? All these blessings will come onto you and, you, and accompany you. If. You obey the Lord your God. Then, then you can read verse 3 with all the glory of God. And you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. But you got to do it on God's timing first. Like, what are you afraid of doing right now that you're hoping God will do for you? Like, in your marriage, let's talk about that for a minute. Like, any married folk up in here, you know, be like, Lord, you better just fix my husband. I know you got a word for him, God. Just tell him. Tell him. You better tell him about them hampers. I'm telling you, tell him. Please. He don't listen to me. You know, you better change him. And God's probably asking you as a wife to be a wife of Proverbs 31 woman to honor and respect and obey your husband, live with him in a way that shows him Christ so that he sees Christ in you. So much so that he can't help but be better as a person. Come on, guys, I'm giving you something here. Where's the guys at in this place? You're like, I'm married to her. I don't want to say it too loud. Pastor, give me a minute. I'll get it. I'll get it. You want to do the guy? Ladies, I got you. I got you, ladies. Y'all ready? Y'all ain't got no fear. Y'all be amen in just a second. So you be like talking, right? Like, your husband be like, I wish my woman would just listen. I know the verses. <laughs> Ephesians 5. Like, right? A wife should submit. Like, you have that tattooed on your back in <laughs> Greek. And so you want all these things from her, but you're not willing to take the steps to give her the opportunity to rise up as a, as a woman of God because you ain't a man of God to her. You a man to her. 
but you didn't love and honor and respect and sacrifice daily for her. You want to be a real man. You want to see your wife really come and be the woman that she's supposed to be. She a garden. You the gardener. They take what we give them and then they magnify it and they multiply it. And what they do is they actually give you something better than you gave them. So if you give them attitude, that's for you ladies. Uh, cheesy plug. We were doing a relationship series the week after Easter. <laughs> Come see what I got to say. And you're praying God to change him, but God's saying you can change him. You can change him. Do it now. Don't wait on God. But there's a whole lot of you that you're like, I ain't got that problem. I'm about that life. I'm moving quick. God better keep up with me. And when he don't keep up with you, you think he ain't blessing you. Those are those of you who are too impatient with God. You think he moves too slow. Can I tell you, blessing comes in the delay of God. Oftentimes, God's not saying no to you. He's just saying not yet. And we just get so twisted with that. You know, you ask God for stuff. He doesn't give it to you. You'd be like, there ain't no God. I mean, that's the most immature way to think about anybody in any relationship. You don't think about that in any other aspect of your life. You know that, right? But you do it with God. You don't do that with your wife. Like, well, if she doesn't give that to me, she doesn't love me. That's so immature as a person. Like, you don't, you, we don't do that with any other place in our life. Like, there's reasons behind things. And so maybe God knows more than, about your life than you know about your life, right? Right? And so if he says no, it's probably a not yet. And sometimes in the delay is the blessing. There was this man named David, the David. Y'all know David. You don't have to be a Christian to not know David. David and Goliath David. You know, they always use that as like a football play. Like, the, you know, this team is the David and Goliath story. If they make it, they're going to win. That David, King David. Before he was a king, though, he was a shepherd boy. And so the Bible talks about David being anointed by the prophet Samuel, walks in and says, that's the guy. And all his brothers stand up. And it's real quick. You don't have to read the story. I'm going to tell you for He walks, all his brothers stand up and he walks in and he goes, I got to pick the next king of Israel. It's like, you know, America's got talents. Like America's got the king. So it's like, I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick him. David, the runt of the family, the one you guys didn't even invite to the party. And he's ain't even in the competition. He's the king. David goes, that's what's up. If you were the, come on, if that was you and your brothers, you know, you would have said something. Y'all didn't even invite me to the party and I won the competition. <laughs> You're going to get it now. The Bible says that it took years from that prophecy to him being the king. There was a delay that he had to go back to being a shepherd boy. And what we don't realize is that it's the pasture moments that prepare us for the palace moments. Oh, you missed it. Yeah, because you're frustrated right now where you are. You're in the pasture in the backside of the mountain. There's no stories about David in that. Did you know that? Nobody hears about David shepherding the sheep. There's no drama there. Nobody celebrated to be a shepherd. Nobody celebrated in the pasture. Everybody talks about, you know what you do on social media is nonstop palace moments. But nobody talks about, just up in here with my wife right now, we fighting. Just wanted to live stream it for you, y'all. Go ahead. <laughs> Never seen it. But you know what I do see? We renewing our vows up in Hawaii. We made it 20 years. Did you do that? 
nonstop. It's nonstop. But like, it's the palace that prepared David for, or sorry, it's the pastor that prepared David for the palace. You shouldn't despise where you're at. And stop trying to get God to do something now when he's saying, just wait, I'm preparing you for what I prepared for you. I tried to plant rise in 2012. I got as far as my pastor's desk. I asked him, hey, I think about planting a church. What do you think? He said, man of God, it's going to be amazing. When you do it, it's going to be amazing. Just don't do it right now. It's not right. It's not the right time. Voice of God speaking through my spiritual authority, speaking through my pastor, speaking through my life, saying, you're not ready. You still need to be in the pasture. There's some things that are going to help you. And from 2012 to 2018, when we planted, those six years, I'm telling you, are the reason we have what we have today. If you love Rise at all, you should celebrate the delay in my life. If we would have planted, like if we would have planted... Anybody. We didn't know anybody in San Antonio. And my timing, I thought I was missing it. I thought God would never, if I don't do it now, what's going to happen? I, I look around. Look what God did. Y'all ain't here because I'm good. You're here because God's good. Look what happened. So all I'm saying is, whatever, whatever delay you have in your life right now, trust God's timing. If he said it to you, he going to do it. He going to do it. We got to be right with God's timing. We, we got to have our focus on God. You want blessing? You got to have your sin. God has to be Christ-centered. You want, you want to have blessing in your life? You've got to readily recognize the voice of God. If you want to have blessing in your life, you've got to trust God's timing. You've got to find that sweet spot where you're a little bit, a little bit anxious, but you are also got a little bit of passion in you where you're trying to push. You know when to go and you know when to stop. You've got to walk it out so that you can ultimately get to the blessing. That's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you've, you've, you've showed us what it's like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ which simply looks like this. This is what it looks like. It looks like submission to the kingdom. And in our submission to the kingdom, we get blessing. In our submission to the kingdom, we receive favor. And that's what we want from you today in Jesus' name.